0: Our job as an adult to keep children safe. By providing them with body safety skills. It is our job to believe them, so therefore it is our job to educate ourselves. Mm. It's just a bit like wearing a seatbelt. Like we hope they never have to use that seatbelt, but you put it on every time you put them in the car.
1: Welcome to Talking in Common, a podcast of all things lifestyle, family, relationships, well-being, kids and culture. This is not a how-to, but an insight into the lives of ourselves and others and how we all manage to get by, hosted by myself, Kate Gidinski, and my co-host, Sophie
2: Panton. Take a listen and let's find out
1: what we all have in common.
2: We'd like to say a big thank you to today's episode sponsor, T-Form Pilates, and their brand new online prenatal program to help guide women through their pregnancy. Hello, Kate.
1: Hello, Sophie, my lovely, delightful, pregnant friend.
2: <laughs>
1: I'm a bit concerned that you are about to have this baby any moment here in my living room.
2: Get to rub the gloves out. <gasps> I've got them the, ready. Get the towel out.
1: Got a towel. Got all the perfective, pr- perfecti- protective equipment. Do I? No, I clearly don't. But
2: actually have had the baby right here right now.
1: I'm getting the vibe. Just keep, every time I see you, you say that. Well, you are pretty much near your due date soon
2: you will be by the time this episode comes out actually by the time this episode comes out I could well have had the baby for any new listeners which we know there are lots of you out there now I'm 38 weeks pregnant this week and feeling good but Kate and I were just saying just before we started recording this like I've had this kind of blocked nose and congestion for like two weeks which is the result of a cold, but I also think it is a pregnancy thing. So I'm feeling all the third trimester pregnancy things. I was even like, been saying to Kate the other day, I have this like weird fuzz on my face. <laughs> <laughs> How do you grow hair in strange places? Yeah, when you're
1: I'm loving your lips actually. They're so mm. lush.
2: My puffy lips. I've been no, told so much amazing. lately. Amazing. My whole body is puffy. My whole face is puffy. I feel like I've been stung by a bee. But anyway, here we are. This is great for the YouTube <laughs> content.
1: Oh shit! I forgot we are going to be on YouTube. Okay, focusing on the camera for a second. Just joking.
2: (laughs) But talking about potentially of having the baby by the time we release this, we should mention that we are recording a week or a couple of weeks in advance due to that. Yeah, the fact that you know I might may have a baby and it might stuff up our release schedule. (laughs) But also to mention, you know, again, just for any new listeners, the reason why we do pre-record. A little bit in advance. And why we do release fortnightly, I think it's worth mentioning again, is because if you're not aware, we do have all of our episodes translated into Auslan, Australian Sign Language. And that just takes a bit of time to process the episode, doesn't it? By the time we record it, send it off to have it translated. The video's done. Yeah. Our wonderful translator sits there and translates us, talk all our rubbish and sends it back. It all takes a bit of time.
1: Well, we should get into today's episode. So. I should just mention that we have a bit of a trigger warning on today's episode. We will be having discussions later on, touching on body safety, education, consent, and even touching on sexual abuse. So if this is a trigger for you, we just want to make you aware.
2: Yes. Good point, babe.
1: But let's get into it. Let's start with what we've got in common. I think what we have in common is the flu shot this horrible Mm. flu that's going around. And I had the most, I won't say traumatic experience with my kids, but it was up there. Yeah, Taking them to get the flu shot was hectic. They were screaming. Like even my six-year-old was screaming. And then my three-year-old Lulu, like after Nina was going crazy, then that set Lulu off and it was so stressful. My heart rate was through the roof, and they 've had injections so many times before i don 't know why they were so fearful. I mean I get it injections no one likes them they 're a bit scary, but it didn 't matter what I said, like how much I tried to prepare them and talk to them beforehand, although I should note I only mentioned it to them on the way because if I had' have mentioned it to them a day before
2: you wouldn 't have got uh, them there
1: <laughs> no way, but even the doctor looked like stressed, oh really, after we left far out.
2: Well, if it's any comfort to you, someone was saying to me the other day that their child had stuck themselves between a doorway. Oh my
1: God. So when I (laughs) left, I said to the doctor, surely this happens all the time. And he actually said to me, I've had children like hold themselves in the doorway, like trying to get out. We got there in the end, but now Lulu every day is like, do I have to have another injection? She's constantly been asking me. I'm like, next year and then I realized oh shit the end of this year she'll have to have her I think you have to have four year yeah four-year-old immunization so not looking forward to that but how did you go with honey yeah
2: we've both done that this week haven't we I can't even remember if I did it for honey last year I don't think I would have because we're all locked down Mm. and like there was no flus really going around yeah but me being pregnant and Honey, at childcare and just with how nasty the flus are going around. Like, I mean, this is what you and I have in common, but honestly the rest of the freaking country will understand with kids, young kids, whatever age kids, there are so many colds and flus and so many viruses and illnesses. It's actually insane and it's really hard to manage. It's constant. It's so constant, yeah. Cold.
1: Then we had COVID. Yeah. You've had colds.
2: Yeah. Coughs. Just, it's literally like a revolving door. And everyone that we speak to, all of our friends with young kids are all saying the same thing. So it's like a bit of a drainer at the moment. And if you're an interstate or an international listener, hello, but this is what's happening here. I just feel like it's worse than it's ever been.
1: I think because everybody was practically locked up for so long that we weren't used to just getting normal things like colds and flus and coughs. Yeah. There's just so much more hype around it now intention, but people are actually getting really sick it's just we haven't really seen that so much I mean yes people have been getting sick but it's all about COVID yeah and so their little immune systems aren't as used to kind of being around all these germs and yeah they're all copying it and then we're copying it
2: yes oh my god and then we cop it which is the worst but
1: Touch wood, my house is healthy this week.
2: I know, same. It's like a good week. <laughs> good week. It's like when you get to catch up with a friend or a family member, it's like, quick, we better do it this week while we're both healthy because next week we'll all be sick again. But, yeah, I didn't have the best time with Honey getting her flu shot. She's now two and a half and just so much more aware. Like when they're babies, they have a lot of stages of injections and it's awful and it's an awful experience more for the parents. Yeah. But she was so aware. And I just forgot her strength. Like they're so strong and so reactive the immunisation nurse was really lovely and you know went to put the needle in and honey just leapt off my lap like onto the floor and I thought I was really prepared. I'd taken her this good little honey lollipop and given that to her beforehand to distract her and all this sort of thing. She leapt off my lap, threw the lollipop in the air. Oh, they don't even care about that in the moment. And the fear on her face. She looked at me just like, mum, what are you doing to me? I just felt so awful. So then the doctor had to do it again or the nurse had to do it again. So she had to have it twice. But it's interesting, a little bit like... Lulu, honey, has been talking about it since, but almost comforting herself, which is something that she does. She's like, Honey went to the doctor, honey went to the doctor, but she's okay. She's okay now. She's brave. She's she's good. She's all good. So she's been, you know, thinking about that experience. Processing in her mind, it. Which is interesting. Yeah. But this is um we'll do a little bit of an intro because we are going to talk to a guest later, but this is actually a good thing, just while I think of it, to speak to our guest, Janine, later about consent to do with things outside of like sexual consent or like body part consent because just consent in general for toddlers I find a really difficult thing to navigate.
1: It's really really difficult because similar thing with Lulu getting her flu injection like it almost took I mean luckily my husband was there as well and the doctor but it almost took both of us to hold her and then the doctor to put the <laughs> injection in and we're like you have to have this but she's saying I don't want it and obviously she needs it because it's for her health and there is a nasty flu going around and we want to protect her
2: mm, but it's, but then it's, you're it's being a really forceful hard a way.
1: kind of thing to navigate when they're saying no and I think consent is a really important topic something that we maybe often don't think about with young children and you know there's so many situations I can think of like you know whether it's washing a child's hair and they're resisting that or whether it's you know putting them in the car seat and they are screaming and it's like we have to have your car seat done up like what am I going to do not do your car seat up and we're not going to sit here all day.
2: So what do I do do I force you into it or do I sit here and wait for two hours and miss the appointment or activity or thing that we're meant to be getting to
1: and a lot of the time it can be, I, I mean, I'm going to say as simple as it doesn't always work, you know, the way that you frame something or the way that you say something. But often in the moment, like you're just trying to get shit done. You've Seriously. got stuff to do. You don't have Seriously. time to go, how am I going to explain to my toddler oh my that we need to do X, Y, and Z. So.
2: And just the patience that it takes to be like that. You just don't have it in you every day. No. Like some days I... Not when you're 38 weeks
1: pregnant oh either. Oh, my God, I'm not seriously. pregnant. I don't have the patients in me.
2: And they're kicking and screaming and you need to be somewhere and you're tired and sore yourself, yeah. But, yeah, I am really looking forward to getting into that Another a bit more.
1: interesting one was in our episode with Clementine Ford mm. a couple of episodes ago and she spoke about, you know, I think she's got a five-year-old. Five or mm-hmm. six-year-old, and you know how she mentioned saying to her son, "Can I give you a hug?" and not just hugging her child. Which that's an interesting one too, because I always just hug my kids. Yeah, <laughs> and my kids always just hug me, and I think I would assume that if they don't want to hug me and they push me away, then I wouldn't force them to. But I've never really thought to ask them. Like, of course you go sometimes, come and give me a hug, but mm. I don't often ask them for a hug.
2: Yeah, it's got me really thinking that even just that small comment that she made and other things that I've learned, you know, th- things even from you. You have a six-year-old now or, you know, she's at a much more mature, developed age and your experience all experiencing all sorts of different things than what I am with a two-and-a-half-year-old and so I even learn things from you that I'm like, oh, my God, that's fascinating. I can't believe you're, like, dealing with that already because she's still simply, like such a little girl to me. But, yeah, you know, that mention of that sort of, day-to-day consent just around even you as the mum giving your own child the ability to give the consent just to have a hug is really interesting and it's really thought-provoking it's a great thing to think about but then there's also like that fine line of like how far are we pushing this you know before it gets like a bit I don't know what's the word over the top and you're over analyzing the way that every action you take with your child and I
1: mean I think it's probably important you know, to think more about, okay, let's use when they're having a bath or a shower, for example, and, you know, you're helping them wash themselves, like particularly the younger ones, you know, saying to them like, okay, we need to wash, you know, our vagina, we need to wash our bottom, we need to wash under our arms. And if they want you, you know, if you want to help them or they're not doing it, you know, can I help you do this and kind of telling them what you want to help them do, like what needs to be done and that they're okay with it rather than just kind of doing it. I don't know, you know, teaching them. Maybe that's a way we can start teaching them consent. We'll learn more about this from Janine. I mean, she specializes and educates people about this stuff all the time. So I think it'll be a really beneficial conversation for us to have. I know I'm really keen to learn more about it, mm. as you are too, Soph. Um, another interesting one I, I was mentioning to you the other day was with Nina recently, she had a little bit of an incident at school. And I mean, this might sound like a really small thing to a lot of people listening, but as Soph said before, my daughter Nina is six and she was at school. She goes to school, obviously. And a child that she often plays with, a boy decided to pull her pants down at playtime, which is so inappropriate. And Nina... Was really embarrassed by the situation. She said she felt embarrassed. She felt angry. She was quite upset by it. And the same boy also did it to another little girl and actually fully pulled her pants down and her underpants. And I mean, how embarrassing. And her underpants. underpants. Like, how inappropriate, um, embarrassing for a young child, a bit confusing. And when the teacher told me that this happened, I was just, I was really. I guess, pissed off, but I was upset for Nina. And I just thought, this is not right. Like someone shouldn't just walk up to someone else and touch their body and pull their pants down. So it's up to me as a parent to be teaching Nina about her body, about her body bubble or her body boundary, and that it's not okay for someone to do that. Uh, One thing that I did feel good about was that Nina had the confidence to tell the teacher. So I think a teacher on duty saw, and then Nina also told her classroom teacher. And I just said to Nina, "You never need to worry about doing that. You're doing the right thing. If you're, you know, being made to feel uncomfortable, or someone is doing something that you don't like, tell the teacher. Like you're not dobbing on someone, and like you're doing the right thing." Mm-hmm. Anyway, a small thing, but we need to teach our children how to react in these situations, or maybe not how to react, but what's okay and what's not okay, because that sets them up for. Things that could happen in the future and what their reactions might be like.
2: This is obviously one of the first examples that you've experienced this type of scenario as a parent. So, hence why it's in the forefront of your mind. And I'm very thankful that, you know, you have been talking to this about me recently because it's allowing me to think about it. It's allowing us to have this conversation today and share it with our listeners and share it with our community and to learn and to learn preventative education to teach our children before they do get in a situation where they don't know how to handle it. And like you're really good at empowering your girls. You do use all the correct terminology for their body parts and you're not scared about that and you instill your girls with confidence and hence why Nina obviously had the confidence to tell her teacher that day. And then I remember you telling me too that once the boy who did this to her did make an apology, she even then still had the confidence to say, no, I still don't accept your apology because she obviously was still feeling embarrassed or something. And like, go, Nina.
1: That actually made me like, I was like, yes, exactly, go, Nina. I was like, good on you. Like, don't just be like, it's okay because I don't want you to be like a pushover. Nina is... She's a very sensitive, sweet little girl. And, yes, that's me talking about her as my mum, as her mum, my mum, as her mum. But, you know, there has been things that have happened in the past where I've had to really try and get her to tell me something that I've known has happened, you know, at school or with other kids because she I think is just, you know, like a lot of other kids probably are. They don't want to get someone in trouble. They feel like they're Mm. going to get in trouble if they tell. So I've been working on trying to have that communication with her. So I was really proud of her that she... Yes, didn't accept the apology straight away and told a teacher and then spoke to us about it because, you know, as I said, this is little steps to setting them up to protect themselves later in life and I think I was reading something, we were talking the other day, it's like one in five girls and one in eight boys will be sexually abused before they're 18.
2: Mm, That's an extraordinarily scary statistic Not that that was
1: anything sexual but I'm just saying in terms of learning consent.
2: And just learning and talking and being more aware of, about this topic. Like it can be incredibly difficult and confronting to think about body safety for young children and sexual abuse and it's a really icky, awful thought. But if we don't talk about it, like I was saying before, we aren't going to be equipped and prepared to educate not only ourselves but also educate and empower our children to have the right tools in their toolbox to react to a situation that they might feel uncomfortable with. And as adults, like we have layer upon layer in our minds about fears or shame or guilt or things that have influenced us or affected us in our lives and we feel awkward about talking about it but we can't project that onto our children. We have to support the next generation to move beyond the stigmas the conditioning of the patriarchy that we've all been conditioned to think that there's a certain way that we need to behave, act, treat other people, the language we use, all of this sort of stuff. We have the chance to change that for our children and for the next generation and I think that's why it's so important to talk about.
1: Absolutely, I think, you know, keeping the conversation open always and talking to our kids as much as we can is everything. It's so important just always... Let them feel that they can talk to you about anything no matter what because, you know, the things that might seem little to us now that they want to tell us are probably big things to them and we want them to be able to tell us the bigger things as they get older and feel comfortable and that they can trust
2: trust us. So, mm. Living in the era amongst people like Harvey Weinstein, you know, who have been outed as sexual predators, sexual abuse is definitely something that people are more aware of these days and therefore topics like consent and body boundaries are being talked about a lot more. And thank God, and, you know, specifically with children now, I'm sure, because of that awareness. Mm. And with this said, and like you mentioned before, our favourite feminist Clementine Ford, what I've sort of been thinking about a little bit more since the conversation with her is how we as parents and people of our generation are sometimes still like unwittingly nurturing the patriarchy, and how conversations are still accepted amongst friends or with children, and this sort of gender influence that's still there. Like I was saying to you before, like there's these examples of like talking about men's balls, like you know, you've got balls of steel, like that's a strength. yeah, And then talking about like pussies as women's vaginas, like you're a pussy, like as a sign of weakness.
1: Oh, it's so gross, isn't it?
2: It's so gross. And the fact that there's still that sort of language and vocabulary in everyday conversation. And obviously that's not the way that we're speaking to our children. I hope our children aren't hearing that, but other similar examples, like boys don't cry or don't cry like a girl or be tough, be a man.
1: Even when kids hurt themselves, like you're okay, you're okay, you're okay. But it's like, but They probably just hurt themselves. I do that all the time. Like it's okay to be weak or be –
2: Exactly. I shouldn't even
1: say the word weak. It's okay to show vulnerability and be hurt.
2: Yeah, and emotion. And
1: emotion, whether you're a boy, girl, like it shouldn't matter.
2: Yeah, but this conditioning and the way that we've been conditioned is just truly sort of frightening and and I've just been sort of pondering a lot lately about how, yeah, we do just sort of naturally and unwittingly – Go towards that sort of language, and needs to change. It needs to change. We should
1: introduce our amazing guest.
2: We should, we should, because we're actually going to chat to her in like a minute. right
1: now. <laughs> so today we are joined, or we're going to be joined by author, educator, school teacher former school counsellor and mother of three, Janine Sanders. She is an advocate for body safety, gender equality and respectful relationship education being taught both in the home and in schools and she's published over 100 stories for children through her niche publication, Educate to Empower.
2: She's going to teach us a lot more about this than what we can tell you guys.
1: Janine feels passionately that we can do so much more to keep our children safe by teaching them age-appropriate and empowering education.
2: Let's learn, girlfriend. Let's empower ourselves. Yes.
1: Let's leave this conversation feeling empowered, full of knowledge.
2: Let's meet
1: Janine. Janine, a big warm welcome to Talking in Common. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me and inviting me onto your show.
2: So, most of our audience and us included have children between the ages of zero and six. And after hearing a statistic that kids from the ages of three to eight are most at risk of sexual abuse, we just felt that now is the time to have the conversation, to start preventative education. So, we do just want to start with the basics. Talk to us about the importance of using the correct terminology for body parts from a young age.
0: Okay, well, we can begin with um, teaching our kids body autonomy and consent from birth. So mm-hmm. right from day one, when you're, you have your baby, use the correct terms for their genitals. Now, there's a couple of reasons for that. One, we don't want them to be ashamed. They're nothing to be ashamed of. Mm. So we have a nose, an elbow, you know, there's a penis, a vagina, a vulva. It's very easy to say those terms. If we feel embarrassed using those terms, our children will. So don't worry about that. The other reason is if they are touched inappropriately, they know where to tell you. They know the correct terms to use and that will hold up in a court of law because if they use a pet name like a pee-pee or a cookie, this will not hold up in a court of law if they are touched inappropriately. And the other reason is, right. if a child is touched inappropriately, or you know, in the grooming process by a predator, they might you know be tickling them and go oh, and just you know oh sorry I didn't need, mean to touch your pee pee, and the and the child will say, you you can't touch my penis. Mm. You know this is just a scenario, but the perpetrator goes oh wow this child uses the correct terms, this child knows about their body safety rules. They're not embarrassed. They're not um, shy about it. They're using the correct terms. So it will hold them in very good stead to protect their bodies. With consent, which is sort of the forerunner to the whole body safety, when the children aren't even verbal, you need to imagine that they do have this invisible body boundary around their body and that as you interact with your child, you need to be telling them exactly what you're doing. So, oh, I'm just putting on your socks now because it's really cold outside and, of course, you can't really say, oh, can I put your socks on because they're nonverbal, but you're telling them what you're doing with their body, you're respectful around your body and, you know, later on you will start to ask for consent when they're more verbal But you're basically not just doing what you want with their body, you're explaining what's going on.
1: So educating children in body safety before they already are in a dangerous situation is incredibly important. Mm. What are some of the ways that we can educate our kids and help them feel safe and confident within their own bodies or their body boundaries or body bubbles, some people like to call it? Kate, it's really all about
0: empowering children. So- body safety education is giving children a voice and along that way you're also giving them choice but it's about empowerment so just like when we teach road safety or we teach water safety we never talk about graphic images or anything graphic it's always age appropriate it's exactly the same with body safety it's completely age appropriate so you start with your consent You start with telling them about they have the body boundary or the body bubble, and even though it's invisible, it doesn't mean that it isn't there. It still is there. Then we go on to talking about early warning signs, which is we all have them. So those are those yucky feelings we get when something's not quite right. So they might feel this, you know, that someone's tickling them and they say stop and the person doesn't stop. Mind you, when you do tickle a child and and they love it, when you do say stop, they absolutely you stop. But, you know, they might just feel uncomfortable with that person. So you teach them to tell you about that and to talk about their early warning signs so early warning signs and you can go through those with your children like there's a very easy way you can you know do sort of like um, a gingerbread band cutout or gingerbread person cut out and you can label where we feel them you know sick tummy sweaty brow want to go to the toilet shaky all over and they know as soon as mm-hmm. they have those early warning signs they need to come and tell a trusted adult so then we talk yep. about a safety network Okay, so a safety network is three to five trusted adults that they could tell anything to and they would be believed because that is one of the most distressing statistics is that in the past a child would have to tell three adults before they would be believed. So, you know, imagine just finding the courage to tell one adult, let alone having to tell three, that you've been touched inappropriately and, of course, many don't ever tell. Having these trusted adults three to five, and one should not be a family member, and there's a good reason for that because ninety percent of perpetrators are known to the child, so they're in our families, they're in our homes is
2: crazy
0: uh, yeah, yeah, and you know younger children, it often is a family member.
2: Wow, I think it was quite interesting what you were saying before, going back to using the correct terminology for mm. your genitals and perhaps the child being in a situation where they're confident enough to use the right terminology to the perpetrator but then also having the confidence to say that to a parent or to a friend, you know, so and sos touched my vagina or so and sos touched mm-hmm. my penis and how you're talking about raising a red flag. If a child comes and says that to you, mm. you're immediately going to respond to that. You are. Whereas if they had used like a nickname or something for it, you might think, oh, they're being silly. But I think that was such an important point on both sides. So like A, having the confidence to say it to the perpetrator, but B, having the confidence to say it to an adult and to raise the awareness and to raise that red flag when something has actually happened.
0: And, and I mean, that's our job as an adult to keep children safe. By providing them with body safety skills when they come to us that they have been touched inappropriately, it is our job to believe them. So therefore it is our job to educate Mm. ourselves, to know about grooming, to know about the statistics of one in five girls and one in eight boys will be sexually abused before they're 18. You know, it is our job to find these things out. Then it is our job to provide them with these empowering skills just in case it's just a bit like wearing a seatbelt. Like we hope they never have to use that seatbelt, but you put it on every time you put them in the car. Body safety mm-hmm. is exactly the same. We hope that they never have to use these skills but it's there just Mm. in case because they're not always with you. They go to, you know, to footy, they go to swimming, they go to, you know, they go to
1: school, they go to playdates. That freaks me out, playdates, because my oldest daughter is at the age where they're asking about sleepovers and I won't Uh allow her to have sleepovers yet. I think she's too young. But I always say to my husband, there's going to have to be a point where it's going to happen and she's going to have a sleepover and, you know, I can't keep her in our little house bubble forever Without being paranoid, how do you trust anybody? How do you allow them to do that and how do you know so it's about empowering your children? Kate, what you need to do is you need to download. um, Get stressed out about it.
0: No, don't get stressed. It's quite simple really. You can download my free poster which has the five body safety skills and you can put that on the refrigerator so that everybody who comes into your house knows you teach body safety to your child. No big deal. Why aren't you doing it? We could all do this. It's, you know, it's empowering. An empowered child is an empowered teenager, is an empowered adult. My child will know, you know, about consent. My child will know that's not okay. I don't want you to do that. So you put that up there. Everybody knows that that's what's going on. So when they go to the sleepover, you go, okay, well, we do body safety. you are upfront with it. Now, if a perpetrator in the home knows that your kid does body safety and your kid is educated to tell, they're not going to go near your child. They're going to pick the kid who's vulnerable, who feels shameful, who's, you know, is needy, who hasn't had this education, who is looking for the love. You know, they're going to pick very wisely, like perpetrators are very skilled at grooming. And I hate to tell you this, but single mums, their children are 22 times more likely to be sexually abused. In, in a single parent home because perpetrators, particularly with dating apps, will target them with children. They'll be charming. They'll be lovely. They'll be there. So, you know, be very careful who you invite into your home. But the main thing you can do and you can get your community to do and your friends is to teach body safety. It's so simple. The things that I'm talking about, the skills that the children are learning particularly in a book that I have called My Body, What I Say Goes, which has all these skills we're talking about in it, is just so empowering. And um, I was doing a talk last night on gender and a lady who was listening just got on board to me and said you know i just want to say i have an autistic child and that book my body when i say goes was the only book that really broke through to her because it was very simple and very black and white okay we talk about our body bubble uh, boundary we talk about our early warning signs. We talk about a safety network. We talk about what to do if we are touched inappropriately and in an unsafe way. And, you know, even if a child freezes, like we all do, if they're sort of touched inappropriately, the default is to tell the trusted adult. And the trusted adult's job is to believe them and have educated themselves in this space. So I think, you know, sending your kids to a sleepover is absolutely fine if, Everybody knows you're doing body safety and your child is educated to tell. Another reason why it's really important that you educate your children is because often a child who has been sexually abused will tell a friend and then your child, the friend, can tell you what's going on and the abuse can stop. You know, that's what we want. We want the abuse to stop.
2: Yeah. I think they're all such good reminders and such good tips because, like Kate just there, it can be a bit overwhelming and because we're talking about this topic, like it's so easy to just sort of riddle yourself with fear and, and anxiety around it and not know what the right thing to do is. But when you put it so simply the way that you have, it, it is so true. We were just having a little bit of a chat before about how conditioned we are as humans and to act and behave in a certain way
1: you know Mm, to say things
2: like girls behave like this or boys behave like this and that is you know setting these boxes to people to fit yeah setting these boxes yeah to fit into and giving children the wrong message about gender and giving this sort of false gender dichotomy when it's unnecessary
0: mm-hmm. and
2: yeah anyway I, I do digress a little bit
0: you know not really because I see gender equality as part of this as well because you know girls are conditioned to be sweet to say sorry all the time, to be the one who takes less space. And boys are conditioned to be, well, I can own more space and I can be louder and pushier. But, you know, if we're teaching our children equally, mm. yeah, all of that, if we're teaching our kids to be kids without gender labels, then girls, boys, all genders alike can be empowered to speak up you know, have the right to take up space, have the right to say, that's not okay. You know, I certainly did as a young woman and and I really want our children, particularly our girls, to do that. I just think no limits, no labels. We need to stop labeling our children, you are this or you are that. I mean, gender inequality starts from the moment the child is born. I mean, I don't know what gender your child will be, Sophie, but if you have a girl, there will be people out there who will be saying to you, what a little sweetie, what a beautiful, all about her physical appearance. And he, oh, he's strong. Mm. He might be like, Dad, is he going to be a footballer? You know, and off it goes. And and talking to these teachers last night about gender equality, they say that the kids are three or four and already they're saying, oh, the boys, you know, we play with the trucks, this is a boys' game, you know, you, you girls are over there. Mm. I mean, really it's limiting everyone's potential to be who they want to be, plus it's also saying one gender has power over another, and that is the basis of domestic and family violence and children in a family violence home, a domestic violence home are six times more likely to be sexually abused, so it kind of all works together, and I just want to give children a mm. voice and an empowerment and A lot of parents say to me, or now my child's going around and saying, my body, no means no. But I say, you know, like, (laughs) wouldn't you rather My daughter's
1: doing that a little bit, but good. Another thing, like the social aspect with young kids as well. So particularly with my six-year-old, there's been a couple of things that have happened recently at her school. And one of them was something that is, you know, most people would find pretty harmless, but I was really unhappy about was a little boy that she plays with pulled her pants down at lunchtime couple of weeks ago and when I was informed about this I was very very angry I wasn't happy mm. when the school told me and I mean my daughter was really embarrassed by it she said she felt angry by it and I was really happy that she had the confidence to actually tell the teacher and that that she told us as well and that she wasn't worried that she was going to get in trouble oh. but I just thought that's not okay and that's what I was trying to explain to her that's not okay that someone can just do that to you and I know they're six and seven years old, but it's still not okay. It's still not okay. And I said to, so the teacher told me that my daughter Nina said, when he apologized, she said, I don't accept your apology yet. And I thought, well, that's good. Like that's give her the time you. to think about it, Yeah, see how she feels about it. And I followed it through again with the school because I just wasn't I wasn't happy. And, you know, you get these, oh, often boys can be a bit more no. rough. And it's like, no, but that's not okay. It's inappropriate. It's not okay. It's
0: absolutely not okay. And I'm, I've am just done a blog recently because I'm sick of those things like, he hit you because you li- he likes you. And the response, there is no excuse mm. for hitting. Hitting or hurting someone is never okay. You know, boys will be boys. There is no excuse for this behavior. Rules are not different for boys and girls. Like, we need some comebacks. And that's not okay. Like, what is... What is happening at home that that child thinks that this is okay? And what is, it, you know, really that teacher needs to be doing a lot more work around our body safety and consent mm. and children's rights. Yeah. Because, you know, that is starting from a very young age that he is doing that. And what is he seeing? Like that to me sounds like he, you know, the, the age that most boys see porn is 11 so you know maybe an older brother or sibling is showing them porn on the phone and we're seeing so much more child-on-child sexual abuse because of their access easy access to porn on the phones and so you know they're seeing things they just Mm -hmm. totally don't get and totally don't understand they're playing it out on younger children so you know I would be equally as horrified as you. I would want to know what the school is doing about it. I would want to know that they're doing some uh, respectful relationships with body safety and consent and that this is uh, nipped in the bud very quickly. Plus, it's really awful for your daughter, an experience she should never have had, and to even in one moment think that it could possibly be her fault. I'm really glad that she spoke up and um, she continues to speak up
1: so was I. I was so proud of her to do that
0: mm.
2: yeah absolutely But that's props to you you know you're obviously teaching her the right message all right my love can we take a little break for a minute and talk about our own bodies we want to share the amazing new online prenatal pilates program for pregnant mummers by t-form pilates
1: yes this is such a good one T-Form have just launched their brand new online prenatal program to help guide women through their pregnancy. Owner and mother herself, Tamara, has developed the program that grows with you, meaning that the workouts and information provided directly line up with how far along you are in your pregnancy. Genius. So good. Each week you receive a workout plan consisting of a mixture of video-based Pilates, stretch, yoga and meditation classes designed to keep you strong fit and comfortable from five weeks to full term.
2: I've been loving this program lately. On top of the weekly workout plan, you also have access to so much information and amazing resources on the baby's growth and development and also industry specialist advice and recommendations on your own health and pregnancy. And the best part for me right now, almost entering the next stage and having a baby, once the baby comes along there's even a postnatal program set and ready for you.
1: We can both honestly say that we are very happy T form clients ourselves, and we cannot recommend this enough. Now, let's get back to the episode.
2: I just wanted to go back to the topic of consent for a minute. We asked our audience some questions, and they wrote into us, and a lot of them, and this is digressing a little bit from body consent or sexual consent, but consent in general, I think, is something that parents with young children struggle with a bit. Mm-hmm. A common question, which I thought was a really good point, was you know, how do we approach everyday situations, for example, like just putting on a nappy or getting them dressed or getting them undressed, taking them to a doctor, getting an injection, these day-to-day things that as parents we have to do to get by and we want to allow them to consent to everyday things. How do we... Have a good answer. (laughs)
0: Give it to (laughs) us. Okay, okay. Basically you need to say to your child, I'm your parent and it's my job to keep you safe. And sometimes I have to do these things like change your nappy so that you don't get sores and we have to take you to the doctor. So it's my job to keep you safe and that's why I have to change your nappy. And, you know, we're going to the doctor because you're unwell. Again, it's my job to keep you safe. You will need to come with me, but I'll make sure I'm in the room and make sure the doctor asks for consent and the dentist before they touch your child's body as well. Mm. because this is one area that's really quite distressing for me for children with disability. Did you know that one in two disabled women are sexually abused? So I think our carers of disabled kids need to ask more about consent before they just come in on on their body. So you need to just basically say, this is my job to keep you safe and right now I'm keeping you safe and you need to do what I'm saying. And the other question Mm. I often get is about grandparents, You know, probably my age as well, Mm, like, oh, I can just have a hug. This is my grandchild. I love them. Give me a hug. It's not about them and about their needs. It's about your child's choice. And wouldn't you rather that your child chooses to give them a hug with all the love that they have than taking it? When you just take a hug, it's not heartfelt. So wouldn't it be better? When you ask for a hug, that they give it to you and they give it to you with all their heart. And the other thing is if you say to the child, just give me a hug, I want a hug, that sends a message to the child that their voice doesn't matter, that they have to do what the big person says. And that puts them in a very, very dangerous position with a perpetrator because a perpetrator will say, I'm the big person, you have to do what I say, so do what I say. So by explaining to an older generation or explaining to whoever we are doing body safety. We are giving our child the, uh, the voice and it really is about their choice. And I'm sorry, it's not about your needs and what you want. I have to think about what's right for my child. And by just forcing them to have hugs or kisses, I'm setting them up for dangerous situations. That's what
2: I would say. That was another question that we got a lot of was, you know, how do we communicate this to family members or grandparents? How do we communicate it to family and friends? But I think some of those just very upfront examples, you know, this is what we practice in our home. And mm-hmm. yeah, again, like we might all feel a bit uncomfortable about it because it wasn't something that, it's not something that we're quite used to yet, but as the protectors of our children, yes. we're the ones that have got to be brave and just start to stand up That's for right. them and just be real about it, be honest about it.
0: Sophie, I think you're exactly right about being brave. Like we have to be our children's warriors and that might mean, you know, we have to speak up a little bit more, be a bit more assertive, which is often very, you know, it's difficult for women in general, but we need to do that for our kids' sake. And I think we need to also be brave when we do body safety and consent skills with our kids and put our fear of this topic aside because if you don't do these skills, if they're not taught to your children, there is far more chance that they are vulnerable to a perpetrator. But if you do provide them with these skills then, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure they go a long way in helping them to be able to stop the inappropriate touch from the first inappropriate touch. It was really, really rewarding. A, um, a woman who is a, works as a police officer in sexual abuse crimes, she had contacted me and said that she has noticed in the last five to seven years that younger and younger children are now speaking up. About abuse.
1: And she said it's just really great to see more of them talking up. So, you have that, your amazing book, Some Secrets Should Never Be Kept. And this actually was one of the reasons that we did reach out to you initially because secrets came up in a conversation between Soph and I recently. Mm-hmm. I was saying that we don't allow secrets in our house. And I don't let, you know, if my girls are ever to use the word secret, I say, no, we don't have secrets. We don't have secrets with anybody. We have surprises. I think you call them happy surprises.
0: Good. That's great, Kate.
1: (laughs) But it it can be a really, really tricky one because, you know, let's talk about grandparents again and friends Mm -hmm. and all other people, you know, we can be saying to our kids, we can't have secrets, you know, we need to be able to talk about everything, we don't hide things from each other. Mm -hmm. But kids can also find secrets a bit exciting, you know, they're a bit intrigued by them. So if someone else is saying to your child, oh, come on, here, I'll give you a lolly, it's our little secret or whatever it might be and it can be in a harmless way, you know, it needs to be consistent what our kids are being told. Why do you think it's so important that we don't use this word? Well,
0: secrets is the perpetrator's currency. If the child does not keep the secret, they're exposed. And it'll be their child's word against theirs and they're in a you know much more vulnerable position than they'd like to be. So without secrets, they're pretty much screwed, really. So they use secrets all the time. They tell the children like when in the grooming process they'll say to a child, they'll test them out and like this, they'll give them some lollies and they'll see if that child like this is our secret. Don't tell your mama she doesn't want you to have lollies, but you know, I'm your friend. So and they'll test to see whether the child can keep the secret. And if the child can keep the secret then they'll move on to bigger secrets and more secrets until it's our secret. You can't tell your parents now, you know, and it moves on. So if you take, I know it's hard to get secrets out to our vocab, but if your child just straight away, when that person comes and goes, hey, do you want some lollies, our little secret? They go, well, no, we don't have secrets in our houses. So, you know, I can only have a happy surprise because I've got to tell my mum about the lollies. You know, you've got to try and get that out of your vocab basically and I think it is a very dangerous word in a way because that is a grooming technique and they will threaten children terribly terribly if they break the secret like you know I'm going your mum will go to jail you'll go to jail and I mean we're talking like a three or four year old five year old I'm going to kill your puppy you know if you tell this secret I'm going to do all these things well you know they're children They're going to be absolutely terrified and they're not going to tell and they don't tell. And if you talk to, you know, um, survivors of sexual abuse, they'll tell you. They kept the secret all right because of all the threats. So I want to get rid of the word really. I just want to have, you know, okay, we don't have secrets. We have happy surprises. So, you know, it's granny's birthday. It's going to happen it's got a, a limited amount of time everyone's going to know so but secrets you see they can they can go on forever and ever and ever, and they don't always have to be told whereas surprises
2: will be told yeah, that's a good point that surprises always get told and secrets don't but I'm so glad that we're talking about this because I feel like other people need to <laughs> be aware of this because when Kate first was saying that well I don't really speak about secrets with my kids I was like what are you talking about like how ridiculous like what do you mean you don't use secrets and now I'm like it's so obvious that that's like a grooming technique and that that's something that kids can be manipulated and terrified into keeping a secret that held over them
0: and online too held over them online yeah absolutely so
2: whereas I was just thinking about it like a more harmless thing like a grandparent saying here's a lolly don't tell your mum's a secret or a friend Mm. or something but Uh, you know again maybe because I don't have children of ages being exposed to this sort of thing I hadn't thought about it yet but it's so important to think about before they get to an age where they're put in that position
1: exactly how do we sort of deal with kids then that they might worry that they will get in trouble so if you know they do want to tell us something they know we don't have secrets but someone has as you said threatened them or on the flip side, you know, getting teased by their friends of something that Mm, might happen at mm. school if they tell the truth. How do we kind of, obviously by talking, but create this sort of open dialogue so that they do feel comfortable to talk about awkward topics or experiences that may happen?
0: I think probably, Kate, you're already doing it. You're having those open dialogues and your daughter will come to you with whatever's worrying her because you're their safe person and if you are the safe person, you and your partners, the, and you always have these talks, talks and and nothing is off the table and you can, and your reaction is really important. So if they tell you something like, oh, you know, my friend had the phone and I saw some people doing things and your reaction like, is not like, oh my God, what were they doing? But more like, oh, I'm really sorry that that happened. Do you want to tell me a little bit more about it so if you're that person that they always want to come to and tell you they will talk to you about these things so I think the reaction is really important but also having those really open conversations with your child right from the very beginning that you are always going to be their safe person that they can tell anything to and you'll never judge and you won't be cross and you know it's never too late to tell that's one important thing for children too is that it's never too late to tell. So even though someone's told you to keep a secret and you've kept it for two weeks or so, you can always tell. I mean, that's why I wrote what you see in the background, little big chats. I'm not sure if you're aware of them, but they're 12 little books that cover really tricky topics and five of them are covering consent and body safety and the others are talking about gender equality and diversity and all those sorts of things so when their children are young we can talk about these things in bite size one of them is the difference between secrets and surprises so we can talk about these things in little bite sizes when they're young by the time they're eight or nine they can read through a whole book and you can unpack it with them and question them but the little bite sizes you know and It's not really one conversation with a child. Like it's always ongoing and it's incidental. So when your daughter came home and told you what happened and it was great that she did, you could sit down and you could say, well, I'm really sorry that happened to you and I'm going to do something. I'm going to protect you.
1: I'm here for you. I think that that's the most important thing. Since she did tell me that and we had that conversation, she now tells us more regularly and it's only been a couple of weeks like little things that happen at school even Hmm. that don't necessarily involve her and it's really interesting because I think most parents will be able to relate to this you know your child's at kinder or school you'd be like what did you do today and they oh nothing not much <laughs> what happened and, oh you want to know who did you play with like what did you play and you want to know what's going on and I find mm. the more I ask the less I get but I'm now noticing that she'll just kind of throw in little things and tell me oh this happened or this mm. person said this mm. to that person and mm. so I'm consciously trying to really listen to those small things so that when maybe there is something bigger hopefully not but that she will always come and talk to me.
0: Like I'm at the other end, I have adult children in their 20s. You know, they still come to me, I think, touch wood. (laughs) You know, I can't say to them, it's really quite difficult being a parent of adult children because you're completely everything is not in your control at all and you can only really give advice if it's asked. So, you know, there might be a little thing and and I'm so grateful when they come to me with a little thing and that we can talk about it and open it up because that's what I put in place when they were young, that I will talk to them about anything and I'm here for them and I'm always going to be here. So even though they're adults now and they're doing their own thing, those little things when they come home and they just say this happened or that happened and I can, you know, open it up a bit more with them and we can have some really good chats as adult on adult now.
2: Mm, just as important <laughs> as it is for little kids. But I love um, those little tips to, you know, to use words like, you know, I'm going to protect you and I'm going to keep mm, you safe. It's my job. It's so true. And, yeah, and it's my job to do that and... You know, Mm. I love you, of course, but, yeah, I'm going to keep you safe and I'm going to protect you because nobody else is going to say that to them.
1: No. And it is our role as parents, as mothers, to do that, right?
0: And I was thinking about it. What do children really want more than anything? Well, what does anybody want more than anything? Even before love, they want to be safe. I mean, love is great, but if you don't feel safe, that doesn't really work. So children really, they just want a sense of safety and protection and love is great as well, <laughs> and that I think that goes for all of us.
2: Absolutely, I think that's a really beautiful message to wrap up our conversation <laughs> with you. I think your website obviously has a huge library of resources and all your amazing books. But where else can people find you know some of the great tips that you've just shared with us today, but also so much more?
0: Well, on the website I do have a lot of free stuff. I love to you know obviously I need to have people buy my books as well but I love to provide free stuff as well so there's lots of body safety posters there's um videos
1: great videos on there too
0: yeah there's you know and some of those are really great for kids who are autistic or who need a visual cue so there's lots of really great resources on our website but you can follow me on instagram please do it's Janine sanders author and also our um, publishing company we have one called educate to empower which is also on instagram
1: Yeah. So that's the main side. Janine, thank you so much for giving us your time today. We really appreciate it and I feel like I've learned so much. So thank you and take care. You're very welcome. Thank you for inviting me. That's it for today. Make sure you head to incommonprojects.com.au for the show notes. Hit subscribe on your podcast app and follow us on Instagram at TalkingInCommon. Common or you can check out our Facebook page which is also Talking In Common. Have a lovely day and, as always, thanks for listening.